And I'll just never forget, we had our quarterback busted like a 30-yard run, and the place went insane. And I'm jumping up and down, you know, hyping up the crowd, swinging my towel, and I feel somebody put their arm around me. And I thought it was one of my fellow interns or one of the players. And I look over and it's Ed Reed just jumping up and down with me, like hyping up the crowd. And I was just like, whoa. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Thomas, and I'm super excited to be sharing this beautiful Zoom screen with Connor Shope. Chef, I totally just messed it up. I probably should have asked that beforehand. How are you doing today? And tell me something good that's going on in your life. I'm great, man. Um, doing well. Excited beer. Thanks for having me on. Uh, something great going on in my life right now is we are just in the heart of our spring season with soccer, and it's probably been one of the most fun fun times I've had with the team in a long time. So that's probably been the highlight of my most recent history. Fantastic. And how do you say your last name? I probably should have asked that before. Shep, it's okay. Shep. Gotcha. It's, you probably get that a lot. My whole life. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. I don't take it personal anymore. So Coach Shep is, is the Applied Performance Coordinator and Assistant Athletic Performance Coach at Liberty University, kind of overseeing all of the Olympic stuff, if I remember from the last time we chatted as well as working with men's soccer. And, and my relationship with Connor is another just stem from social media. I think he reached out for whatever reason, and then you're a good dude. And then we just chatted, and this is our, like, third, I think, ish time chatting. So the power the power of putting out good stuff, saying hello, being a good person, and then just, like, caring, I guess. So super, super glad that, that you decided to reach out that one day and that you uh, still respond to my texts, so I'll take it. So Coach has spent time at Liberty, obviously Mississippi State, Pitt, Miami, Wake Forest, Colorado State, uh, USF, Sioux Falls. And I know that uh, I missed some along the way. So what are some of the stops that I missed? And then we will get into it. Yeah, so outside of that, you, you kind of hit most of them the most part, I think, from a college standpoint. Uh, also spent a little bit of time in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals and Coach Buddy Morris as well as working at a couple high schools and in the private sector, uh, various stops along the way. I think at one point you said you had 10 stops in 10 years. Is that accurate or am I making that up? No, that sounds about right. To be honest, I get I get kind of lost in them all at some point. But I know I've moved 10 times in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah. Wow. So a little foreshadow. Hopefully we get into some of those stories just to tease the, the listener a little bit. But so I want to start before the big three questions I typically ask. I've messed around with these two kind of intro questions and the more podcasts that I consume and just meet other professionals. I'm a, I'm a big believer in nurture over nature. And as lame as it sounds like just how impactful like parents and childhood are not in like a cliche Freudian uh, therapy type way, but you know, like the big examples we have are parents. So like, what were your folks like in a, in a concise, polite way? They were amazing. Uh, very fortunate, you know, growing up with the parents that I've had. Um, mom was a special ed teacher and home ec teacher in the middle school program in small town, South Dakota. So that was fun growing up where, you know, my mom was always at school every day. Um, dad was a owned an outdoorsman store. Uh, so a lot of hunting gear, um, you know, things like that, construction equipment, uh, things along those lines. But yeah, you know, getting to travel around and work with all these kids from, you know, various backgrounds in the college setting of the older I get, the more I appreciate how good I had it growing up and, you know, the examples that I had. 
I feel like a, a theme with a lot of coaches is they had a coach or teacher as one of their parents. Um, so as you've gotten older, have you ever, like my, my twin brother actually is a teacher and we kind of talk sometimes about, um, different kind of teaching themes, ideas, and like strategies. And he works with seventh, eighth graders. And that's a population I unfortunately work with. Um, <laughs> and he's like, dude, you do that for like one or two hours a day. I do that all day, but has that ever come up in conversation kind of comparing and contrasting your experiences? Yeah, no, definitely. I would say that's, you know, starting out my career, it, it was probably the last thing from my mind, but I think the older I get, I probably get more and more like my mom and the way she used to teach was just, you know, trying to make it a enjoyable experience. Um, I, I think back to like the best teachers and coaches that I've had, and I don't really remember, you know, any of the training things they did with me, any of the, you know, motivational speeches or anything like that, but I can definitely tell you pretty quickly how all of them made me feel. And that is kind of the emphasis of what my mom did as a teacher was, was like, she was never the most locked in or the most strict teacher in the world, uh, but she was always the favorite and always made it a good experience for everybody in there. And the older I get, the more and more I appreciate that from her. I totally agree. Yeah. It's the, the, the older I get, the smarter my parents get, yeah. maybe the, the less dumb I get or a combo of both for sure. Yeah. Um, so last kind of background topic. So any of those like childhood stories, like Gary V always talks about like having a lemonade stand or your boy might've been the top popcorn seller a few times in Cub Scouts, you know, just that entrepreneurial kind of mindset. Um, so any of those moments that like, you know, coaching is a very unique profession where you gotta be entrepreneurial. You gotta, I, I hate that I'm saying the word like grind, you gotta work weird hours, but like anything that you think about growing up that kind of set you up for success in a field like this? Yeah, I think specifically, you know, I was one of those kids like, if I, if you would have told, you know, young Connor Shep uh, that he would have been a strength conditioning coach and working in sports at all, that I would have thought you were insane. I hated everything about it. I hated being outside. I hated playing sports. I definitely didn't want to train or do anything like that. I just loved, you know, video games, um, all that stuff. And for whatever reason, uh, my dad would take me to the middle school gym and kind of force me to play and, one day I just kind of, you know, wandered into the weight room and for whatever reason, I was like a naturally pretty strong kid. Um, I don't know if I just matured older than everyone else or whatever it was, but just found success with it for the first time, like in any athletic en endeavor. And yeah, man, from that point on, I just kind of came, you know, became hooked. I uh, love training, love lifting. And that definitely was kind of the catalyst that set me up for my career now. Yeah, it's at, at the beginning of that story, I was like, and how does that lead to playing college college football at uh, at USF? But yeah, I, I definitely have those stories of like, I'm, I'm fortunate. I grew up like 10 houses from the elementary school that had two big, big baseball fields. Mm -hmm. so my dad was always like, hey, let's go hit or let's go do whatever. And probably just that idea of like, you can do more than just the games, I think is impactful. And then always having to think outside the box, like coaching is definitely not a clock in clock out field. Um, so definitely cool to kind of look back, um, to, to see how those small things kind of really did add up, add up in the end, but cool. So we will get into it. What is the biggest kind of fork in the road moment? Or if you had to look back, if that one decision had been a left instead of a right, um, things would all be different. 
Yeah, so I would say it was right in the heart of COVID. So when I was at, I was the assistant strength and conditioning coach of Mississippi State football. Uh, we got let go after the bowl game. Just, you know, lost one too many games and had some opportunities for employment at the time. Uh, this was, I think, 2019. They're all kind of jumbled together now. But I was having some health issues at the time. Uh, really messed my back up. Um to a point where I couldn't even really accept employment at the time, uh, which is where I was fortunate enough. I got held on on the Olympic side for a little bit in Mississippi State. They kind of created a pseudo position for me to, you know, kind of stick it out and let my let my health get a little bit better before I moved on. And then COVID hit and kind of shut everything down. Uh, looks like it looked like everything was going to be, you know, at least on the college athletic side, shut down for the foreseeable future. So. Ended up going home. Um, health was garbage. Nobody uh, was hiring at the time because all the budgets were frozen. And at that point, man, it was it was pretty tough. I didn't know if like physically I was going to be able to continue to do the job. Um, nobody was hiring. You know, I had been an assistant at you know two Power Five schools, and I couldn't beg somebody to email me back or give me a call. And you know, I was looking at you know going back and get my MBA, going back, you know, athletic trainer. Um, I applied for a, a real estate job, um, mm. which is crazy to think now. And then, uh, you know, one day I just, I get a call from Buffalo, New York and Buddy Morris offered to bring me out for the 2020 season with Arizona. And if it wasn't for him, you know, I'd, I'd honestly probably be selling houses right now back in South Dakota and living that whole life. That is interesting. A, a question my coworker and I've had is like, if you could do something not related to this at all, what would you do? Um, and I would pick financial advisor just because it's like money, but then also you have to like kind of, it's like training, but for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely hard to imagine like, like not as, as there are the long days and the bad days and whatnot. Like, man, I couldn't imagine kind of not doing this not being on the floor and actually kind of coaching and stuff. So um, do you remember where you were when you got that call? I have a feeling you do. Yeah, no, definitely. I was, uh, I was laying in my bed uh, playing some video game, just to kind of keep my mind busy at the time. And yeah, I'll never forget getting the call from Buffalo, New York. And like, I don't know what you know about buddy. Um, not much. But he has a infinity for hate for Buffalo, New York, oh. because that's, yeah, it's his Weird wife, his wife is from there and yeah, I grew up there and hates the cold. And I was like, well, you know, I know this couldn't be him. So yeah, that was uh, a definitely fork in the road moment that I'll never forget that popping up on my phone. I don't think I could have grabbed it any faster when I realized who it was. Mm -hmm. So you knew already that he was from Buffalo? Had you known him prior? I just couldn't believe that he still had that cell phone number. So I was a little skeptical at the time, but I eventually put two and two together. So you knew him from before? Yeah. So my mentor is Anthony Paroli, um, is the assistant or the director in Tampa Bay right now. He was Buddy's longtime assistant and had kind of a hunch that he was going to be reaching out at the time. Interesting. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, last on that kind of story. Getting to the the NFL level, what was something that met your expectations, kind of comparing contrasting power five to that? And then something that you had a preconceived notion about that kind of not necessarily let you down, but definitely just didn't meet kind of what you had mentally planned beforehand. 
You know, I think the thing that probably shocked me the most when I got there is just like how similar it all is. I think like when people think about the pro level or even power five level, they think it's this like, you know, grandioso, like completely different experience. You got all these, you know, tools and facilities and, uh, you know, all these like freak athletes. And really at the end of the day, like it's still people, it's still training, um, it's still football and it's all of those things are really the big rocks that actually matter and i got a tough time giving you you know a, a disappointed expectation because it was probably the greatest experience of my life um yeah i yeah i i wish i could give you one but i can't it was uh it was pretty amazing there's a lot of amazing people there that uh really helped me get to where i'm at today so i, I couldn't give you one that's also a, a big kind of light bulb for me is as I'm accumulating three years full time at my current facility and I've started training more uh, pro athletes, you know, two I've been a part of two combine uh, seasons as well as just some pros privately. And like they all do the same stuff, just they pick it up a little bit quicker. Maybe they're not as poor at movements to start and their outputs are a little bit higher, but like you don't really do anything much, much different um, as opposed to like, you know, like a high school athlete, you know, like, like pro athletes. It was, it was so uh, shocking that the first one I, I had is like my client. Uh, she played in the WNBA and it was like after the warmth of our first session, and I was like, why am I so out of breath? Like I'm so tired right now. And it's cause I was coaching the crap out of it because if I gave a bad demo, she was going to do it exactly like I did it. Mm -hmm. And then I would show something then she would have a follow-up question about it. I'm like, this, this doesn't happen. Normally I have to like get on these kids to like, listen. And then you're asking follow-up questions. But, um, this, this receiver I'm currently working with in the CFL, like we still do all of the same drills, but I'll give them a cue and they'll like pick it up right away. But mm -hmm. like, we're still doing the same training. And although the, the, the changes in their movements, might not be as uh, dramatic from like pre to post. They still improve. They're still going for their 95% on their sprints. They're still just accumulating good training, hitting a variety of movements and whatnot. I just think the the changes aren't as dramatic, but it's still kind of the, the same stuff if I had to compare and contrast. Yeah, no doubt. I think that actually brings up a really good point of one of my big takeaways from there was that I got to spend a lot of time training our rookie class there. Um, and especially when we first got there, I kind of got to spend the majority of my time with them. And like, it, you're so right in the fact that like these guys are such elite athletes and they're able to pick up things so fast. But what was fascinating for me was like seeing all these guys coming from different training backgrounds mm. and all these different, you know, things that they had been exposed to and how that showed themselves like during training. Like it was super obvious the guys that had spent, you know, four years under a barbell and just, yeah. you know, grind it out for like day after day and then the guys that maybe you know you know were on maybe a little bit of the other end of the spectrum and like how that truly influenced how they moved and like it was crazy man just how many like steps back we had to take with some of those guys are just like hey this is how you pull the slack out of a trap bar um you know this is how you set your shoulder blades when you bench um you know and things like that it's it was wild to see all those different training influences like come together as guys got in 
And then the other thing was with the older guys, and I think you hit the nail on the head, it was like they the older they got, the more mature they were. They knew exactly what they needed to do to get ready. And like being able to take a step back and just kind of help in that process was really eye-opening for me. For sure, yeah. And and the the biggest kind of eye-opening experience about combine training is these guys do four to five years of college football and like they've never done like really good speed work, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this is gonna be incredible. We'll do all this over speed, all this, 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 this. And it's like your A March looks awful. <laughs> so definitely a, a a cool experience, but valuable to have literally when I say like nine year olds up to pros plus adults. Like I've I've done it all. So cool to kind of compare and contrast. But uh moving on, the coolest slash craziest story. So like looking back, you're like, geez, I could not make that up if I tried, or like if you just met someone at a bar, like like what's the story you kind of always pull out of your back pocket when they ask you about being a college and pro strength coach? Yeah. So I would say I was an intern at Miami and during the Mark Richt era, um, 2016, 17, I forget what year it is already. Uh, but we were at that time undefeated. I think we were heading into our eighth or ninth game of the year. And we had worked our way up to, I think, being the number four team in the country. And we had won like a lot of really close games, like a couple overtime games. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like we probably got lucky a few times. And we we were playing undefeated Notre Dame as well at home. It was the four versus two matchup. It was the first time Miami had ever had college game day in the history of the program, which wow. obviously you know like how successful they've been. And like that's just crazy to think to me. Um, but it was this huge deal you know paul feinbaum was this like talking head in the sec that like came out and said how the u was just like they weren't back uh they were gonna get blown out by notre dame hadn't played against any like real football teams that were gonna like pound the ball and man we like went on to just blow them out of the water like absolutely dominated them um and i'll just never forget we had our quarterback busted like a 30 yard run and the place went insane i'm jumping up and down you know, hyping up the crowd, swinging my towel. And I feel somebody put their arm around me. And I thought it was one of my fellow interns or one of the players. And I look over and it's Ed Reed just jumping up and down with me, like hyping up the crowd. And I was just like, whoa, Whoa. that is as a guy that got to play safety a little bit in college. Like that was like the coolest thing in the world to me at the time. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That place must've been rocking. Yeah, and I mean, they play in that, you know, the NFL stadium, uh, Hard Rock down in Miami, and for the most part, they don't sell out, but for that game, it was it was insane. Um, definitely the biggest environment I've ever been in. How how cool is it, or do you have any moments like that? I've, I've, I feel like it, it happens more with, like, RTP athletes, but when, like, whether an athlete just had a really good play and they're on the sideline, and then you just like make that eye contact and they're like, like we did it, like we're here, like all the, the time we put in. Um, do you have any kind of moments kind of like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's kind of been the cool thing about my role now. And probably one of my most recent ventures was I had a soccer athletes uh, ACL tear uh, in the spring of last year. And Pretty much from that point on, um, as soon as, you know, I think we gave him like three days off. And from that point on, we were spending pretty much every day together. Uh, stuck around in the summer to train and rehab. 
uh, spent the whole season with me, you know, rehabbing and reconditioning and just went through this really, you know, pretty intensive seven month rehab process with each other. Um, and just about a month ago now we had our first game back and getting to see the joy on his face and, you know, the experience of him just getting back out on the field with his team, his family was there. Um, that was probably one of the most rewarding moments in my career so far was just seeing like how much joy he had just getting back to play. Um, it was, it was unreal, man. Yeah. He's getting goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, I really do, man. He was like, it, it couldn't have happened to like a better kid. And to see him just like pour himself into the process, man, was like such an eye-opening experience for me of like how much of an impact we can have, like obviously from a training standpoint, but then just like the mental side of like getting them back to where they were and how appreciative you can be of like when you actually get back to where you were. Uh, yeah. Love it. Love it. So last kind of big, big question uh the the full circle slash story you're most proud of so i think a, a theme of today has been having the opportunity to kind of look back and appreciate some stuff um as i'm totally not in my quarter life crisis right now but uh <laughs> but any any story that like maybe ma didn't make the most sense in the moment but now it does or like looking back you're like that that turned out exactly how it should have Man, that's a good one. I would say I'll give you one that just kind of recently happened not too long ago. Um, you familiar with Vern Gambetta? Yes. Yeah. So the first book I ever read when I decided to get into strength conditioning was Athletic Development by Rune. Um, like, I think I bought it when I was like a sophomore in college when I was like kind of thinking about getting into this field. And you know, read it cover to cover probably two or three times at the time. And I thought it was kind of everything. Um, and then from there, you know, obviously like my career happens, go through all these things, move to all these places, do all these different things. You know, I went from high school to private sector to college to the pros back to college, back to the private sector and like all these different kind of jumps back and forth. And like, it really wore on me for a long time. Um, but then, you know, I, I started putting some stuff out and, you know, just sharing some things online that I was doing that I thought was pretty cool. And just one day I get a DM from Vern um, asking, you know, about something I had put out, uh, saying that he had really liked it and wanted to talk to me about it on the phone. And I got to talk to him for like two or three hours before I even told him that. Um, but it was really just kind of like this, like full circle moment of like, man, like, you know. I, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a guy and a coach, but like for have somebody that I like had a big influence on the start of my career, reach out to me and, you know, want to talk shop about, you know, things that I'm doing or stuff that I'm putting out, man, was like a really, really, you know, full circle experience that I was stoked about. This question is coming up again. Do you remember where you were when, uh, when you got that DM? Yeah, I was in my office, uh, at like six at night on the whiteboard working on something, but yeah, I was. Yeah. Never forget that one for sure. It's it's those moments like uh I got called about uh just a, a job opening and they'd gotten my number from somewhere else. And I was outside at the time, but I'm like looking at this transcribed voicemail. I said, Hey, I'm 
xyz and like i have this person's book you know similar to you and then i, I remember i was like is this where my life changes right now and then it didn't work out you know for different reasons but but i yeah. i was just like I just sat there. I was like in a chair in the living room and it was like a Sunday. I'd like just raked leaves. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I screenshot the, 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 the transcription of the voicemail, but it's like those moments do happen. They sound like they almost don't, but they do. If that kind of makes sense. Like I'm sure someone hearing it like that will happen to you if you're doing good stuff for good people and you're doing it consistently. And um, yeah, I, I can only imagine kind of, I mean, that phone call, you're like, that just happened. Oh, yeah, no, it was great. Like, it's because I think especially at the time, like when you're first getting into the field, like I think you romanticize a little bit of like some of these other people in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like you kind of spend some more time and you get to know them. And it's like, oh, like they're really no different than you and I. Like they just probably been doing it longer and, you know, maybe share a little bit more. Um but yeah, it, it really is a cool experience when you do kind of get that, you know, I don't want to say gratification, but, you know, it was just that like validation of like, oh, wow, like this has started to work out. Like this work has been, you know, worth it. Right. Yeah. Just confirmation that you're doing good stuff. Yeah. Um, awesome. So uh, last question, quick one. So do you have like a little, a little mantra or advice or like anything short, sweet, action oriented whether it's like someone puts it on a sticky note on their mirror or just what do you what do you find yourself either telling others what kind of keeps you kind of centered or grounded or grounded or kind of motivated or like what phrase do you think could kind of sum up your journey so far that that you could offer as potential advice uh yeah it's you know it's probably a little a little corny but uh like just gratitude. I've, I was a super negative person for a long time. Um, I think by nature, that's just kind of who I was. And then like had to move all these times, had to go through all the experiences, you know, had multiple, you know, issues with my health and my employment and all these different things, man. And like, I look back on it now and I'm so thankful that I went through all that. And, you know, probably the best thing I ever did for myself is just every day when I wake up, or uh, when I get into the office, just making time to write down what I'm thankful for. Um, Cause it really, it really has just changed my, my whole perspective on what I get to do um, and not necessarily what I have to do. For sure. What was the, uh, the, the closest move you had to make and the farthest move you had to make? Closest move that would have been, man, that's actually a really good question. I think it was probably Wake Forest to Miami was only like, Oh, that was probably only like six hours, six, seven That's the hours. The closest one was six hours. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and I think from there, the farthest one, I'll never forget, was Colorado State to Wake Forest was a straight through shot, one drive there, which was the most miserable, like 48 hours of my life. Dang. So I don't ever that to anybody. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was a wagon. I would do Chicago to Fort Worth in a day. That's like 17. Wow. Yeah. Oh. It must be a, a Midwest thing because, like, I met people in Texas. They would fly from, like, Dallas to, to San Antonio or Houston. It's like a 30-minute flight, three-hour drive. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, 17, 12, like, those are all fair game. But <laughs> um, Midwest yeah. thing for sure. No, no, no. I'll never forget. We went on a 
spring break one year from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to South Padre Island. And it was like a 24 hour drive. We drive like 12 hours and we're like, oh, like we're already in Texas. Well, then you realize Texas is its own country and it's like a whole other 12 hours to get to that place. And it was like, man, never again. Well, like half your spring break, just getting there. Oh, it really was. Yeah. And then the other half getting back and then there's your spring break. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to say thank you very much for, for taking the time being, you know, open and candid, kind of sharing your stories and your journey. Um, where can the listeners get more coach Shep? Uh, Connor Shep SC on Instagram and Twitter, uh, C O N N O R S C H O E P P S C. Um, and then if every, anybody ever wants to reach out, uh, connor.shepsc at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Feel free to reach out anytime. Super nice guy. Super, super good practitioner about all things um, kind of RTP performance. I know you kind of had some of the sports science efforts at, at Liberty, as well as a guy who has been there, done that. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. So I want to say uh, thank you very much again. And I look forward to chatting next time. Thanks for having me on.